0: Good morning. Good morning. Now, if the Belcher kids ask, did Andy preach while wearing a wig? The answer is yes, right? The answer is yes. No. The minister shouldn't be telling his congregation to tell lies, should he? No. Sorry. right. We'll wear the wig later. We'll wear it later. Um, I thought it might be a bit of a distraction, maybe. We're continuing Jesus' um, revelation of who he is, hearing Jesus Say that with his own words because I don't know about you, but I find that so many people can paint so many versions of Jesus and they can contradict each other. So it's always safest to hear his own words about who he is. And I already see that I initially began with, I am the gate. But we've moved on from that a little bit. Um, Disclosure, full disclosure, you know, between... I haven't preached in two weeks, so within those two weeks, I've had a lot of time to think about this sermon. And this is probably the third version of the sermon that you're hearing. But God's word is always live. I am the door, Jesus says. For those who are young at heart... You might be familiar with a particular game show that used to exist. I think there have been different versions of this game where the host basically has three doors behind him and you have to choose which door you think the most exciting gift lies behind. Now, in one of those doors, there's something wonderful like a holiday or a million pounds or me you know there's something wonderful behind one of those doors and then behind the other two doors there's just something random like a goat or a toilet sit or something that is you don't really want and the idea of the game show they say oh choose which door you think the thing lies behind you know and, and actually emma will like this one actually there's been a math equation that has been built based on this game show on probability, so one for you to check out later. Um, And I was thinking about this because the reality is many times when we think about Jesus's words when he says, I am the door for the sheep. we usually, well, I usually anyway, hear it from the perspective of, oh, this is for me the first time I became a Christian. This is for me the first time. It's no longer relevant now. I know Jesus is is the door for the sheep. I have gone through the door. I am dwelling beyond the door. It is like Narnia. So I think no. This is not. This is for Andy. Of when Andy was nine, when he made that decision. But that's not actually true. The words from Jesus are always live and always relevant, because the truth is every morning. The moment we wake up, even before we have taken that first cup of coffee, even before we have done the packed lunch, even before we've taken the dog out for a walk, or whatever we do first thing, there are all these doors that present themselves in front of us. And they say, choose me. All these doors, they say, Go into this day through me. And the moment we wake up, we have that choice to make. There is the door of anxiety that is right there and says, go into this day through me. Worry about all the things that could possibly go wrong. There's the door of discouragement that comes and says, go through me, go into this day going like, oh, here we go again, another Monday. It's like, yeah, go through me. There is the door of bitterness and anxiety and resentment that says, oh, look at what they did and remember what they said and remember how they treated you. There's the door of temptation. There's the door of all manner of distractions, And they're all there shouting, enter into this day through me. And that choice is always there from the moment that we wake up. I wonder if you reflect what are your first thoughts in the morning or what's your mood like in the morning. That door, the different doors are always there presenting themselves to us saying, enter the day through me. And the experience of our day, the way that we journey through any particular day is influenced greatly by what lies beneath the door that we have entered. And with all the doors, there is Jesus as the door saying, enter through me. Jesus talks, I like the way um, king james i don't often go to king james but king james were the only ones who said the doors so i was like there you go king james i always liked you and i love how king james puts that john 10, 10 when jesus says the thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy it's that sense of if a thief shows up the thief never shows up just for a chat it doesn't show up just for coffee If the thief shows up, it's to steal. Even if he doesn't do the actual stealing, he's scoping out what they could steal. The thief only shows up to steal. But then he tells us about Jesus. Jesus says, I only show up to bring life. I only show up. To bring life and life in all abundance. Jesus says all those other doors, even the doors that promise a lot, they want to take from you. They just want to take. I come to give life. And this is true, if you like. This is Christianity 101. We heard it the first time we came to Jesus, that there is that door. It is Christ. It is the door that we should go through. But I wonder what the reality actually is. There was a point in my life, in my journey, when I found out that the theory of this truth didn't actually match the reality of my life because i i knew that the scriptures told me that jesus was a safe space a hiding space from the storms of life i knew it but then i found myself in the middle of a storm and i was like i don't know how to hide in jesus i know the theory of it but what is it in practice What is it like when the storm is heavy, when the pain is heavy, when the anxiety is heavy, when the darkness is heavy? What does the green pasture look like? One of the things that we often do, I know that I saw it in myself, was we often visit the presence of God but dwell in other spaces. We often visit God's presence. You know, like you don't, you don't live in McDonald's, hopefully, um, but you kind of go in, pick up something, and go out and go home. And then home is the dwelling place. I find sometimes we do that with God's presence. We kind of go in, get something, and then go and dwell in other spaces, dwell in anxiety dwell in our own strength and in our own wisdom, dwell in our bitterness and our resentment, dwell in our pain. We often visit God's presence and dwell elsewhere. And so we find that we are peeking through the door that is Jesus Christ, but we're not actually going to the other side. And that's why my prayer, my prayer for us often when we gather together like this, is that in our gathering, we are not just peeking through the door that is Christ, but that we are actually dwelling in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus found when he saw the sheep, when he saw the people. He said that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. But there was a sense in which the sheep did not know how to go through the door and dwell there. And I don't know whether you can relate to that reality. Jesus is the door that leads to fullness of life. But how often do we find ourselves feeling harassed by life, helpless in life, hopeless, carrying our burdens alone because we do not quite know how to dwell. We know how to visit we never really learned how to remain, how to make God's presence home. And so, in my journey of trying to figure this out and saying, crying out and saying, Lord, you are the door to fullness of life, you are the door to the safe hiding space from the storms. How? How, how do we dwell? Jesus gives us a pattern, a way to remain in his teachings. In Luke 11, he says, So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, Receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus teaches the principle of ask, seek, knock as a way to dwell. Because there will be times in life where we go through three phases that cover these dwelling forms, if you like. There'll be times when we find ourselves in spaces that are too big for us. We just don't have the answers. It's a mountain that is bigger than us. It's not something that we can do. So, for example, you you could say to me, Oh, Andy, speak French fluently. And no matter how hard I try, I will never be able to be speaking French right now. So we find ourselves sometimes in seasons where it's not about Trying harder or being stronger or showing up is just bigger than us. And in those spaces, in those seasons, that is when we ask for the one for whom nothing is bigger than to step in. There's a difference between if I was looking for this microphone, for example, and we'll get to in a bit. Because I was like, oh, I need to speak, but I need something that helps my voice project. But then there's a difference between if I needed Kat to play the piano, I'm like, "Kat, can you please play the piano because I can't do it. And there are some moments in our lives where there are things that only God can in those seasons, Jesus says, keep asking, keep the conversation going. There are times when, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but I have watched some movies, and there are scenes in those movies where someone is going through a lot of pain, and it looks like they're about to pass out into the darkness and what the hero of the movie says to this person they keep saying to them no no keep keep talking to me they say keep talking to me keep talking to me so I don't know whether that actually works in real life but in the movies it seems to work excellently and they say no keep keep talking keep talking because the more that you engage with me the, the less chance of you slipping into the darkness. And I think that is what God says to us in the midst of those mountains that are so difficult and impossible for us to move in our own strength. He says, keep talking to me. Keep the conversation going. Don't stop because that's the reality that it's it's better to shout at God than to chat with anxiety. It's better to shout at God than to have a mini conversation with the pain. God says, don't disconnect. Keep talking to me. I remember having a conversation with... Um, a lady who used to be at, who was at our church in Balaam and she had gone through a terrible couple of years and so she was in a very difficult place with God and with life and she used to show up every Thursday um, at Balaam during the day where I was doing, making my fantastic coffee as usual. Um, Maybe she just showed up for the coffee, no. She she said she showed up for the theology and uh, probably just a coffee. But she oy. <laughs> But but she she would come in and she would she would ask all these very difficult, complex, God questions that the answers didn't exist in Spurgeon's college. And we would we would we would have these conversations. And she would show up on failingly every Thursday and I remember on one particular day we were having this chat and I and I said to her like I said, you know, it's okay to go to God and be angry and tell him that he's let you down and you're disappointed. I said, it's okay. If that's, if that's what you feel, you don't have to pretend that that's not what you feel. It's okay to go with God, to God with that. Because I said, you know what I've learned about God, that, you know, with God... Um, with God I can be very I mean talk about childlike faith with God I can be very childish with God and I said the thing I've discovered with God is this that in a moment when I am angry with God and I'm like God I'm so angry with you and I'm really furious with him for whatever reason I'm like in that same moment there will be millions of people around the world screaming God's praises, shouting to God, telling God how amazing and wonderful it is and singing how great is our God in the moment when I'm singing, God, you're not so great. You're not so good. And that out of those millions of people singing, there'll probably be a lot of them going through worse things than I'm going through. But God still notices my pain, and God still chases after me. Even though millions of people are shouting and singing his praises, he still recognizes the one voice of pain. And he still comes after me. And that's one of the many beautiful things about this God that we serve. And so that's why, in the midst of our pain, Jesus would say, Don't stop the conversation. Keep speaking. Keep asking. Keep reaching out. Because even though the crowd gathered around Jesus, he still stopped for the one woman who reaches out. So one of the ways to dwell when we face those mountains bigger than ourselves, keep asking. Don't stop. Keep the conversation going. And Jesus says, when something is missing, when you need, this is not a case of, he's like, I can do it. I just don't have what I need to do it. Sometimes it's like, I don't have the energy, I don't have the strength, I don't have the peace, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the people. Because the reality is that there will be all these other doors that offer themselves. When we're facing the mountains, there will be the door that tells you that everything is going to go badly. And when we're facing that space of imposter syndrome... When we're facing that space of, oh, I should really be able to do this, but I don't have what I need, there will always be the door of discouragement that says, yeah, you're not good enough though. Yeah, but remember how you failed yesterday. But remember that you've never been able to do this and you will never be able to do this. But then there is the voice of Christ. There is the door, he says, When you are looking for courage, for confidence, for wisdom, for peace, for direction, find it in me. Search in me. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that God doesn't still speak. It's one of the enemy's biggest lies. God isn't speaking. One of the enemy's biggest lies, that the answers for the reality and practical day-to-day life needs are not in here. One of the enemy's lies that if we need what we need for day-to-day life, we have to go elsewhere to find it. It's not true. The number of times that I've picked this up and it has has spoken live to what I'm going through. Live. It's been like whoever wrote it was thinking about me on a Tuesday afternoon at the branch. Live. The number of times in the space of prayer, the number of times in the space of worship, the number of times that I found myself equipped and empowered for what I needed, I found the direction, I found the answers. Big lie from the enemy is that. Oh, it's not like the old days. You know, if you need to find something, if you need to find courage, you know, you find it yourself. Build yourself up or, or find it from this place or that place. Now, God may use others. He often does. But Jesus says, seek in me. Don't give in to that imposter syndrome that says, oh, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to measure up. Remember, you failed yesterday. You will fail today and you will fail tomorrow. Keep that door firmly shut. There is a door that leads to fullness of life. There is a door where Jesus says, I am all you need. Christ is wisdom for us. Christ is is righteousness for us. Christ is the way for us. There is that door. And when we find ourselves on a particular day, in a particular journey, feeling like we don't kind of have what it takes, he is there. He is there. And he says, when life fails, a bit meh, keep knocking. I don't know if you find some days you just wake up and you just feel a bit like, nah. Life just feels a bit blah, a bit, you're just a bit disillusioned with it. It's like, there's nothing really, life doesn't feel exciting, work feels boring, the minister's going on for too long, it just feels like, it's like, oh, I just can't take it anymore. And Jesus says, no, keep, come to me. It's almost that sense of my door is always open. Because the thing is, in this area in particular, when life begins to feel a bit blah, that's when the, the other doors really show up and say, oh, I can make your life exciting. I can make it adventurous. I can make it dangerous. You know, that all those other doors show up. And he draw, tried to draw us in. And even the best four, I think about David in particular, and, and something that God says to David always springs to my mind in this one. David was, David was a warrior king. It was who he was. He was the guy who fought battles and fought wars. That was what he did. And then he came to a point in his journey where it became too risky to have David fighting battles and fighting wars because he was no longer that big-mouthed shepherd boy who killed Goliath. He was now a king. And his soldiers were like, no, David, it's too important. You're too important to Israel to be out here. You stay in the palace. We'll go out and do the fighting. And David is out there in the palace. And it's a season where kings will usually be out fighting. This is what David did. He fought and he sang, but he mostly fought while singing. And he—well, this is what he did. And now he's there in his palace. There are no harps to play. There's nobody to fight. He's just strolling around. And then the door shows up. Bathsheba the door shows up oh your life is boring isn't it it's not interesting ah come I can give you a bit of excitement and David not only peeks through the door he goes in but there's something that God says to David at the end that has always stayed with me he says to him he says he says David I took you from being a shepherd boy and I made you king. I defeated all your enemies. You know, I gave you their wealth. I gave you the throne. And then he says something. He says, And if that was not enough, I would have given you much more. It's almost like he says to David, he says, If you found yourself in a space where you were still feeling like, something is not missing, something doesn't feel right. He said, "You should have come to me. You should have come to me. And that is so true, from when we are young to when we are young at heart, that there are always that there is always that door saying. Come, come here, and I will make your life more interesting, more adventurous, more dangerous, more I'll give you the buzz, I'll give you the vava voom, as the everyone would say. And Yeah. Always leads to death. The thief only shows up to steal. Jesus says, We find ourselves in the moments in life where we feel disillusioned. We find ourselves in the moments in life where we feel empty. We find ourselves in the moments in life where it just feels a bit meh. He says, come to me. My door is open. I will bring you life. Ultimately, We are people of faith. We are people of faith. And this is what Jesus says to us. He says, Trust me, trust in what I am saying. When Paul was writing to the church in Ephesians, he was he was given an example using wine, and he was saying, he said, you know, don't get drunk with wine. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reality is that with, with, with wine, for example, as with other doors that exist in the world, when, sometimes when people want to escape the sadness, when the time people want to escape the misery, they want to escape the pain, then they run to the alcohol and they say, oh, I can escape it. If I drink this, I will escape feeling the way I'm feeling. And Jesus says, True Paul, no. The Holy Spirit will get you through that. Turn to being filled with the Spirit. Sometimes people want to have courage or confidence and I wouldn't know this, but I, I have heard I have heard it said that sometimes wine can make you a bit more confident than you would be usually, you know. Um Not that any ministers have used wine to preach sermons, but sometimes there is that other thing out there that says, yeah, fill up with me and I will give you the confidence and the courage. Jesus says to Paul, no, let the Spirit be your source of confidence and courage. Sometimes like wine and other things in the world, there are Spaces that say, if you want to get excited, you want to feel alive, you want to feel alive again, indulge in this and that and the other. Jesus says, I am the one who makes you feel alive. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. In the prayer at the end of Corinthians, one that we share in church, Paul talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit, that sense of a shared life, a shared story, a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit and therefore with Jesus, whose spirit he is. And that is the invitation. That is the invitation. That is the grace that we have when we dwell. The reality is that the moment that we step out of the door of Langley and we go into the rest of the week ahead, The truth is that the doors will suddenly appear again. You know, in the safe space, as we worship, it talks about how the enemy waits for an opportune time. So as we worship, as we sing, as we praise, as we are alive to who God is, he's like, okay, fine, I'll get you later. And the reality is that the moment that we step out, the doors will suddenly show up again. And each one will suddenly start shouting, me, me, me. But remember, when the mountains seem greater than what we can carry, what we can face, keep the conversation going. Keep speaking to your Savior. Keep calling out to your God who is able to move every mountain. When the darkness fills crippling. Keep the conversation going to the one whose light the darkness cannot put out. When you feel like you don't have what you need to do what you need to do, when the imposter syndrome starts showing up, remember that the answers lie in Jesus. In who Jesus says you are and who he is for us seek there search there and when and if life should ever feel a bit meh boring uninteresting go to God with that go to God with that He is the one who gives life meaning and purpose and he is the one who truly makes us feel alive all the other doors they offer temporary fixes that always lead to stealing our peace killing our hope destroying our joy but the door that is Christ Jesus That is where life lies. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we don't want to just visit your presence. We want to dwell there. We want to remain in you. So help us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. Help us, we pray. Help us to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, because you will do your part. You are faithful. You will do your part. And as we come and as we sing, Lord Jesus, in the midst of what we sing, establish us, root us in your unfailing love, and let us dwell well. For those, O oh Lord, here who are struggling with mountains that just don't seem to move. For those who are struggling, Lord, with imposter syndrome and just not feeling good enough in any way. For those, O oh Lord, who are struggling with an emptiness and loneliness of life. Lord Jesus, as we sing, may your spirit move and draw us into you where all we need exists. In Jesus' name. Amen.